This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. Morning, everyone. I trust that you've had a good week. And if you have not, then that's okay, too, because we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, Alright, Breeze, if we'll just go ahead and start out with Second Corinthians this morning, get right to the meat of some stuff. Alright, we got Second Corinthians four, seventeen through eighteen. For our light affliction, which is for the moment, worketh for us more and more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay, so that's the overarching motion. I want to get out there is uh, we got to get past some day-to-day things. All right, the last time I spoke, I, you know, if any of you remember, it was kind of like titled Little Things, and, and the, the idea of it, what I was trying to reach at, was a, a basic point of obedience. Here at COR, obedience is, is of course, the fundamentals of, of what we believe in. Um, it's the core basis. And so the idea was little things in our life that we can control, right? There's little things, and these things that I'm talking about are just your, your sin list. You know, yours is going to be different than mine right? What might be a little sin for you might be a big for me, vice versa. But nevertheless, we all have our own type of, of list. Um, and, and I feel like that it's important to stay on top of that, um, whatever it is for you on a daily basis. Um, in other words, if it doesn't need to be in your life, and if it doesn't glorify God, and it's no big thing for you, just go ahead and get rid of it, right? Because there's also, contrary to that, there's a big list, y'all. There's God's list of sin in our life, and what I mean that is, there's some things that, for bitterness, unforgiveness, there's big things in our lives that we can't just wake up and say sometimes, I'm done with that. I don't want to do it anymore. Some things are on the big list, God's list, and he's got to go in and dig deep inside of us and and root those things out. Um, And and, and it's a big operation, and it it follows, once again, obedience. Um, And so a lot of times when I I talk like this with friends outside of church, um, I kind of get... The, the feedback of being legalistic and so on. Um, and sometimes maybe, maybe so. I don't know. What I do know, however, is that I believe that I worship a God with order and purpose. I, I do not worship a God that just randomly makes things up through the day like we do. Um, so those are very important thoughts. And even um, to kind of give a testimony back on that, it's been some time since uh, I touched on it um, back then. But I opened up my heart and sharing eyes personal problems, life problems. You know, I got up here and just cried out. There's things that I can't handle, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep fighting me on my personal level to 
to conquer little things. And my testimony for that this morning is three children that we are estranged from, out of the three, one sits here this morning with his mother in the house of God on Sunday morning. Amen. Um, that's powerful stuff. All right, and so we got the little things idea going on and the concept of obedience. Um, and I'm not, like, asking everybody to go out and, and conquer everything one day, but just the mindset of am I doing, am I behaving, am I thinking the way that God wants me to in the Spirit? And because these things, when we step in this obedience, offers us the promises that we're talked about so often another thing that i want to draw from this morning and it's really a big thing it's really the overarching arching idea is um many months back if you haven't if you didn't catch it or don't remember it uh we have a podcast you can go back pull it up i think breeze labeled this particular sermon of jeff's the abundant life and how to have more of it i think was the entitlement of this um now, what Pastor Jeff started describing is his missionary trips, and this was early on, and he was all the way down in Guatemala, and there was a particularly older lady that lived in very poor conditions outside of a, a dump. I mean, could you imagine living outside of a dump in Guatemala, and the conditions were very poor, and, and people's behavior were or less than what we think people should behave. And in the midst of all this was a little lady named Miss Ruby. Um, and Pastor Jeff explained to us that, you know, Miss Miss Ruby, if you want to give the visual, he kind of had it. She was sitting in a chair, and, you know, her feet, when she was so short, her feet were going out. It wouldn't, wouldn't even go back down to the floor. Um, and in all these appalling conditions, when they got there, you know, he, he spoke to us and said that you would think that you would be going there to her in, in those conditions and giving her lifting her up, giving her praise. But in fact, it was quite the opposite because she was in a person of an abundant life. When you got there, she blessed you. I thought that was really amazing. That, that just something about that sermon touched me inside. And, and I've been trying ever since then to kind of just get a little more of it, a little more of it, because as far as Anton goes, I really feel like that I have abundant days i do they're they're glimpses but i don't live an abundant life um and so not only do i want to try to get to how we can get there but maybe the big question is always for me is why i'm I'm a why guy um and ultimately what i feel like is we want to get to the abundant life why of course there's personal benefits for us as individual we got eternity with christ all these wonderful things but as everything else really to do with our relationship with Christ is to pour it out to other people. Um, so that is the goal. And um, we want to look this morning, I'm going to pull up some scripture. And both of these stories right here are stark contrast personality and people and, and their way of thinking. And these, these scriptures are pulling from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. These are his words. These are his opinions. This is what he thinks about this. And uh, so let's get into this um, really quick. I want to start with a, a familiar tale, the poor widow's offering. 
Mr. Briggs pull that out. Mark 12, 41 through 44. All right. And he sat over against the treasury and behold, beheld how the multitude cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a poor woman, widow, and she cast in two mites, which makes a farthing, or for us, a penny in a sense. With me, Briggs? And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, this poor widow cast in more than all that are casting into the treasury, for they all did cast in of their superfluity abundance. Okay, um, but she offered what she did cast in all she had, even all her living. Well, I really don't know how I would feel if I would have been a disciple standing there right there at that particular moment. But when trying to get into this, this widow's mindset, I mean, I can't help but think and read into it. At this point, I don't know how many of y'all have ever been, like, poor, really poor, but I've been really poor. Um, and, and just, there was just no hope, I guess. I've been there. And so I, got, I can tell you what this lady is doing right here, this is not because she feels the need at this point in life to follow a law. At this point in life, she's not behaving like this because she wants to be okay with the rules. And also be mindful that this is, even though Christ is here, he's speaking, he's teaching, this is pre-cross. She's in the mosaic mindset, if you would. All right? So what is this that, that she does, and how does she behave in such a way that makes no sense? And you got to know she's not just following the rules. There, there's a mindset here. There's something going on. Please, if we, would all, if we go ahead and jump to the Matthew... Now, this is another character in the Bible that Christ has something to say about. Um, but he's, he's the exact opposite mindset here. And he said unto him, Why hast thou me concerning that which is good? One there is who is good. But if thou wouldest enter into life, keep the commandments, he saith unto him, Which? And Jesus said, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things I've observed, I've done, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wouldest be perfect, go, sell that which thou hast, and given to the poor that thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Um, really crazy thing right here. Uh, me and, and Miss Faye were on a road trip, and as many times as I read the scripture, it never 
jumped out to me exactly what she said I'm about to relay to y'all. If you wouldn't recognize here that Christ caused this rich young ruler to come follow him. He got the calling to be one of the twelve. However that may have worked out, Jesus called him to be a disciple of his. Pretty big calling. I mean, fascinating stuff. All right, let's move on, Mr. Briggs. Oh, is that all? All right. And so, uh, we got all that other stuff, but we'll just run on into it. So we got this guy here, and the story plays out that he just can't do it. He just can't give his stuff away. He can't, and it says he walks away a sad person. I would imagine so. But why does he behave this way? And the poor widow woman, with her finances, behave another way. And what is it that is in compliance or in contrast to people like Miss Ruby, who live an abundant life, to the effect of, I've never even met her, and she affected my life. That's crazy stuff, right? Um, so, let's look, man. Uh, what this widow had was we know she lived a life of obedience. And we're really strong about that in COR. And the greatest treasure I can pull from this that I have since day one, since I came home, is a lot of times I'm scared, not quite sure what's right and wrong. But I do, as, as our house leader here, Pastor Jeff, tells us, I just try to continue to walk in obedience. And I feel like that the poor widow woman had done this for a duration of her lifestyle, in her lifetime, because when it came down to the end, she still gave away. But she could see something that the rich young ruler could not see. I just don't know that life could get any worse for this older lady as this depicted. Um, it makes me really sad to think about it. What was her mindset? In the very worst scenario you could put her in, there's no more food, y'all. There's nowhere to go. There's no home. There's nothing. She has nothing. But she has something. I want to talk this morning about the storms of life. I want to talk about hard times. Maybe you didn't have a good week this week. I don't know. We need to try to find a place in our obedience with this widow woman. All right, because the storms come in, y'all, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but several times, more than once, I have been knocked down. I've been struck down because of what we call life. 
what how do I want to express this? You know, sometimes things happen in life. There's death, there's divorce, there's tragedy with your children, there's finances, there's any number of things that the storms of life brings in. And sometimes things hit you so hard, ladies and gentlemen, that it's inside your soul. Because if you take, for example, people look at and they say, you know, I was in a depression and, and it was just like I was walking around in a cloud and the colors weren't what they were supposed to be. And when I would eat, the food didn't taste right. Just, I, just, I, was, just in, I was in a storm. I was there. What's happening is, ladies and gentlemen, is something has hit your soul. Your body, your physical body, which is lesser than, by the way, your soul, is trying to accommodate for what's happened to you. It's shutting down resources that it doesn't need, and it's saving that energy to utilize it toward your basic life functions. In other words, your physical body is trying to keep up with the affliction for whatever it may be, that has impacted your very soul. There's the, that's, that's what depression is. What do we do about it? How do we step out of that and become abundant life walkers, as I want to call it this morning? I don't know. Yeah, I do know. We're always looking for peace, right? We're always, if I just had peace right now, when we die, We'll put peace on our gravestone. May you rest in peace. What is peace? What are we, what are we looking for in this, in this gray cloud in the storm where our body's shut down? Well, this is a concept that I love and I believe and I hang into because I'm up here today and I got a pretty decent life, but believe it or not, I'm continually, it feels like, walking through a storm. But I got an option here. And I think that us as Christians really need to reflect out a little bit brighter than maybe we do on a normal basis. See, because even though I'm not perfect by, by many means, it's a daily request of forgiveness on my behalf. I fall short very often. I am striving to walk in some kind of obedience. It's important to me at the end of the day to speak with my maker and and say, all right, this is where we are. What have I learned? What's going on? But what, what comes with that obedience walk, those little glimpses of abundant life that I'm talking about, is that when the storms come in, or the good times, it really don't matter. When whatever it is rolls in, and I'm in obedience then I'm where and I'm at and I'm at whatever point in life God desires me to be in at that particular moment. There's freedom in that. I don't have to fix everything. I don't have to make wrong what's right. Times came in, the storm has knocked me down. That's okay. Whatever it is for me in my life, it's God's will however out of control that may be. And that is an awesome privilege and gift 
just giving it us daily. All we got to do, guys, is pick it up, right? Easier said than done sometimes. So peace is truth, and Jesus said that he is the truth. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we got this idea, I guess, um, how you want to look at it. Is we got, as Christians, a silver line lining in the cloud. I guess everybody's heard that. And that is the truth that we can hang on to because in walking in obedience that we're wherever we are. But so it's, it's really not just that easy. When you get slammed, I mean slammed to the ground, you got to get up. And you got to do some things that only us as, as Christ, as Christian people can do. And it's not the dust off of you a little bit. And walk around. Get a grip. Say, I don't know. And you bend back over and you pick up your crown. And you put it back on your head. You know something? Because you're a child of Christ. And you ain't sure what's going on. The pain didn't go away because you picked the crown up. You ain't sure what the next five minutes might be like. You might not be sure about your next two years' future, financial, whatever. But you got the ability to be okay with that. That's good stuff. It's free. Free, good stuff. Um, now... Like I say, all this has been kicking around in my head. And this life event happened to me, guys. I really have felt the desire to share it ever since it happened. Of course, you know, I work up in the city of refuge. Um, I'm on the facilities maintenance team. And one of the benefits that I get that Pastor Jeff, Pastor Bruce allow me to have is I, I'm able to go in at 6 a.m. in the morning, and I'm supposed to be off at 2, which makes my commute easier. If you drive to Atlanta back, it's, you would understand. Um, and so we're in facilities, and so you got a period here from 6 to 8 o'clock. We run a women's homeless shelter, and I, there's places I don't want to be prior to 8 o'clock. You know? So there's, there's that two-hour window there, but what my team and I, what we do is we take that time period and we go through there and it's early, it's still dark, and, and we, we clean out all the filth from the day before. We go to all the different, you know, it's a big facility, so, you know, this department has trash over here and, and this over there and, and so on. So we get all that up and, and we get it out of sight, out of mind, and we clean up the parking lot. Um... One of the most important things, and we're not really required to do this, um, Pastor Bruce just wants to make an impact on the community. That's the whole point of being there, is to go out. There's a right outside our gate, because we have armed guard. We have a gated facility. Right outside of there is a Atlanta MARTA bus station. And so MARTA is supposed to come and clean this thing up and do what they do, empty trash, but they don't do so well at it. Um, and so in our mindset, 
this is our block and we want it to feel like our block when you come onto it. So I go out there in the morning time, it's a boots on the ground scenario, and guys, the situation is really appalling. Really bad stuff. So I got my little sweeper and my little broom and the ratio between concrete and cigarette butts is hard to figure. Beer cans everywhere. A big item on the list. They got these little shot bottles of liquor everywhere. There's little crack cocaine bags with residue laying around. We're the worst zip code for prostitution. They don't have any standards. So when a child leaves out and goes to get on the school bus, they're most likely every morning probably going to see worse things than you would see broadcasted on today's t TV today. TV's pretty bad, so we're, we're, it's just bad. Okay, it's just bad. It feels like, ah. <sighs> It's bad. So with that atmosphere, a lot of these people at this bus stops are what you call our clientele. They stay with us. And part of this process is to get these ladies off the street, and sometimes, you know, you got to wind them down from their life of addiction. When they come in Jump Street day one, they're all over the place. Matter of fact, the first time you see them, it can be very possible they were high or in the process of getting high just minutes before. We got other things on campus as far as medical and mental health. We got ladies that come in, and they, they need to be properly medicated. But originally, they're sporadic. You get all kinds of everything in a crazy environment. Everybody in, in these ladies' mindset, they're in an absolute state of survival. It's amazing. So in this, and in my daily rush, and then my making sure that all my responsibilities are up to par, you know, I'm just a busy little guy, and, and I'm running about. I get a lot of requests, guys, and some of it is just really crazy stuff. And I'm a really busy guy. I got to sift through what kind of, you know, can I take care of this right now, or does it need to go through the chain of command? There's things that's just, I'm at work. Okay, we'll put it like that. So early in the morning, I step into the cafeteria. This new lady comes up to me. And she says, hey, are you Anton, the maintenance guy? And I, I look at my name tag, and I look back at her. And she says, all right, all right. Well, she said, look, I got a problem. Can you help me? And and Anton's mind, Anton's heart. I was in a state of what is it now? And then she commences on. She said, look, I got a stick, and I want my stick cut in half. 
So we were trying to cut it in half. Got an old steak knife back there. And we saw him. So we just think we can't do it. We ain't got no luck. <laughs> I said, well, well, you know, what do you mean by a stick? And she looks back at me the way I looked at her when I looked at my name tag. So you know what a stick is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm getting it now. She's with, with it. I said, well, we can get it to me. And we worked out the arrangement to, uh, for me to relieve her of the stick the next morning at the same time and place, go cut it and give it back to her. And I go on with my regular routine next morning. As faithful as the day comes, this lady's there. She gives me the stick. I'm still clueless. I take the stick, get on my little golf cart, and I ride back to my little warehouse where all my tools are, and I put the stick on the top saw platform and kind of eyeballing it center. And by the way, folks, it is, in fact, just a stick. And I get to the center of it, and I can see where these ladies were, in fact, trying to saw this thing in half what she described as an old steak knife. I said, well, a crazy bunch here for sure. So I just cut it, jump on the car, take it back to her. Curiosity got the best of me, ladies and gentlemen. When I gave it back to her, and she didn't introduce, and I knew that her name was Pat. I said, Pat, what? What's the deal with two sticks anyway? She said, I'm going to give me some cloth. I'm going to cut me some little flags up, and I'm going to tie them on my stick so when I go to church tomorrow night, I got some praise flags. Don't you know what praise flags is? What she said to me. No, I don't. I'm not accustomed to praise flags in church. Um, but I got the gist of it, right? So in all this appalling condition that she lives in, she has no idea what tomorrow is going to be for her. Probably not good. She's in the process of cutting up sticks, cutting up an old pair of socks, and praising her God in her condition. Somewhere along the way, I have to believe that her, the widow, and Miss Ruby had walked in obedience long enough that they knew when they were where they were at, they were still in God's will, and it didn't matter. Wow. So, I got to be honest with you. I had to go back to my desk, sit down, and I was under strong conviction for a long time. I'd come to a place, maybe a little bit of bitterness about my job. Maybe I'd forgotten what I was there to begin with. Why? I'm supposed to be helping these ladies have a brighter day. And she was doing it without me. She was living an abundant life. So what's the point of all this? Kind of... Where I'm going, I'm going to drag you a little bit longer. But I will say this, though, as far as 
affecting the world today. All evangelism is is excellent. There's there's just good stuff and and so on. But a lot of times, like this lady did to me, it's more of a thing of you know. Have you ever looked at your kids and said, "Hey, I can show you better than I can tell you," right? Well, that's the mentality that I want to get here today in our obedience and our abundant lifestyle. But why? Why? You get your personal benefit. But like I said earlier, we want to hand this out. We want to give it away. Because, guys, <laughs> what do y'all really think? For the non-Christian world, for the secular world, what do you think they see when they look at us? When we're negotiating our Christ and our God and our lifestyle and our rewards, what do you, what do you think they really see? Well, a lot of these particular kind of people are people that I love, family, so on. So I can tell you what I get out of it. I tell you what I see us bringing it to the bargaining table, if you would. What they see out of us, I give up all my fun stuff, and I obey a bunch of rules, and then I may or may not have an everlasting life. That's what they see. That's all we really got. That's all we're putting out there in America today as Christians. And then it gets more hard. It gets more difficult. These are new things that, that, we're, that we're fighting against, right? Okay? Times are different. So as in the days of Noah. But as in the days of Noah... They at least openly said, hey, God, I'm rebelling against you. This go around this is a little deeper. It's a little more satanic. We're not, the, the world's not crying out, I'm rebelling against you, God. They're crying out, you don't even exist. I don't even have to acknowledge you. Wow, I mean, how does that creep into us as a society there's a lot of different ways. We, you know, everybody screams public schools and, and they teach the Big Bang Theory and we've all evolved from whatever creature. Um, maybe so. But I try to remind myself the big picture is, is we, I, we, we, are, we are the public. We are the public in public schools, guys. That was us as a nation. Can't really go kicking around, blaming other people. But that's what they see. That's what they know. It's what they've been taught. Coming in to your living room and you set your children in front of the TV for an automatic babysitter. It happens every day. It's happening right now somewhere. We got these people that are extraordinary at what they do. One of my favorites, this cat right here, he, his name is Bill Nye the Science Guy. Oh, Bill. Bill's good. 
If you turn the TV on, if you ever watch the program, he explains science and the magic of science and, and the mathematical factors and how things happen the way they happen. And it's really interesting and you really get into it. And when you're done watching it, you feel really smart. Feels good for what he does. Bill can tell you that he knows how old a rock is. I find that interesting. Nevertheless, he's in your living room. He's in our living room as a nation. This is what the non-believer that we're trying to reach out and grab, this is their mind. This is how they see things. What do we have to offer? Uh, I mean, I know a lot, but as of this morning, this morning's subject, I want to appeal to some of us to be a little more than I am, which is a day here, day there, abundant walker, but to appeal that we strive to walk in obedience where we can be an abundant walker daily. Because what the difference is going to prove out is non-Christians have storms too. They have really bad storms coming in their lives. Sometimes something happens to them and everything's gray. Something happens to them and food don't taste right as planned. Can't sleep at night. Something's hit their soul. Body shutting down, y'all. What do they do then? Where are you now, Bill? And then walks our suicide rates, divorce, everything else that goes along with the destruction of the family, which is the enemy's ultimate goal. What if? What if? And shouldn't it not be an up what if? Shouldn't it be mandatory that when the non-believer finds himself and they can't get up and knock the dust off and they don't feel like that they have the right to pick up their crown and put it on, Ain't it supposed to be that when they get there and there's no silver lining in their cloud and they have no peace and no truth and they don't have anything to grab a hold to? Maybe that's a little bit of our fault. I would like to believe that from here on out, if I've had an impact in somebody's life, if I've been a steady constant in their life, whether we agree about religion or not, they knew Anton, they knew what he stood for, and they knew what kind of God Anton claimed to worship. I would like to believe when that non-believer storm rolls in and they don't know what to do and their public education can't answer it and it's hard for them to take a breath, I would love the idea that somebody would say, hey, what about that weird guy? What about that little Anton guy? 
No, he went through a lot of mess all the time. It's pretty much public knowledge in my life. I don't try much hiding anything. It's always a mess. I want what he had. I want what Moniz got. I want what Sherry's got. I want what these abundant life people have, the free gift they receive because they're walking in obedience. I want that because I, I didn't find out on the television. I didn't find out at school. It sure does seem odd. That's a weird trade-off for all the fun stuff. So how are we as a church and as a family reacting to our day-to-day things? I hope, I beg, I, you know, I really don't want anybody to go back to their desk and sit down under the guilt and conviction that the Holy Spirit had to lay on me. Avoid yourself to trouble. It's really no nice place to be, right? So I want to call us to that. I want to walk into that. I want to believe it. I want to know it. I want to say, hey, buddy, here's your crown. You pick it up, put it on too. Look at me. Look at my family. This is what we do. And this is how we do it. And I do also in closing today, I want to make it clear that I believe many times that us as Christians, in the infinite knowledge of God, there's all kind of veritables. But I, I do believe, I know, that sometimes we walk through darkness as Christians, as representatives of Christ, to reflect on somebody else's mind. When their soul's been struck. Briggs, if we pull up Second Corinthians again, please. For our light affliction, which is for the moment, worketh for us more and more, exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, that hope, that truth, that the Son of God said He was, and for the things which are seen and are temporal, but these things which are not seen are eternal. Amen? I want to thank you guys. Remember, giving in the back. Um, we'll close with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I want to come before you tonight, or today. I just want to come in to your throne as a congregation, and we want to just kneel down before you. Spend a minute with you. Contemplate where we are with you. In Christ, Jesus. Jesus, the doctors tell me that when I, when I breathe in this air that you've given me, that somehow, some which way, it goes into my lungs and, and then there's a a chemical explosion and and that creates body heat and it pumps my heart and sends blood everywhere it makes my my brain work. I wanna pray, Jesus. Somehow, some way this 
life of obedience, the ability to live abundantly, these words soak in us right there, right there, wherever that is, Christ, Lord, where we take your breath and, and it explodes and that explosion is what our physical being is. I want these words to saturate right there today, tomorrow, and on and on. Lord Jesus, we ask that you be with the Deal family as they travel and, and so many others that are not here today. Bring them back to us safely. Um, we ask for your peace and power and provision throughout the week. In the name of Christ, amen.